Well, congregation, I invite you to turn with me in God's Word to Psalm 104 for our scripture reading this afternoon. Psalm 104, as we will be uh, focusing on Lord's Day 10 this afternoon. We hear it for what it is, the very Word of God. O bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. Who cover yourself with light as with a garment. Who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. Who makes the, his, the clouds his chariot. Who walks on the wings of the wind. Who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. You who laid the foundations of the earth so that it should not be moved, moved forever. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the voice of your thunder they hastened away. They went up over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place which you founded for them. You have set a boundary that they may not pass over, that they may not return to cover the earth. He sends the springs into the valleys. They flow among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. By them the birds of the heavens have their home. They sing among the branches. He waters the hills from his upper chambers. The earth satis is satisfied with the fruit of your works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he planted where the birds make their nests. The stork has her home in the fir trees, the high hills are for the wild goats, the cliffs are the refuge for the rock, rock badgers. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows it's going down. You make darkness and it is night in which all the beasts of the, of the forest creep about. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they gather together and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions, this great and wide sea in which are innumerable teeming things, living things both small and great. There the ships sail about. There is that Leviathan which you have made to play there. These all wait for you that you may give them their food in due season. What you give them they gather in. You open your hand, they are filled with good. You hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He looks on the earth and it trembles. He touches the hills and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be sweet to him. I will be glad in the Lord. May sinners be consumed from the earth and the wicked be no more. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's holy and inspired word. And so let us now turn to the summary of that word as we turn to Lord's Day 10 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 10 for our consideration this afternoon. As the catechism here is dealing with the matter of God our Father and His creation. Lord's Day 10, question to answer 27. What do you understand by the providence of God? The answer is God's providence is His almighty and ever-present power, whereby, as with His hand, He still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures. And so uh, governs them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed all things, come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. Question answer 28. What does it benefit us to know that God has created all things and still upholds them by his providence? The answer is we can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and with a view to the future, we can have a firm confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature shall separate us from his love. For all creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will, they cannot so much as move. Thus far, the reading from our confession. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the doctrine of providence, of divine providence, is one of the most comforting doctrines uh, that we have uh, in the scriptures because, again, it reminds us that our God is sovereign, reminds us that our God is in control. We do not live in a world where things happen by chance or happen by accident or fate. Rather, the things that we see around us come to pass according to the sovereign will of God as by the Father's own hand for our sakes through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a comforting thing to know, isn't it? That God is almighty, that he's sovereign, that the heavens and the earth are under his divine power and control and not subject to chance or any other kind of, of uh, luck. Lord's Day 9 reminds us that our, our God, our Father, is faithful. We call Him Father because of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has a great care and love for His creation. And He especially has a great care and love for His church, His redeemed people. The God of the Christian is not a God out there, a God who is disinterested in the affairs of the world. Rather, our God, as we know, is keenly interested in the affairs of the world. All you have to do is read this psalm, Psalm 104, uh, to see that so clearly uh, and so powerfully. God is the one who not only orders the seasons, he's also the one who orders the very things uh, of your lives. And it's a blessing to ponder that, to be reminded of that, especially at a time of thanksgiving, especially at a time when we remember God's goodness and mercy, even though we might have had a troubling year, even though we might have gone through difficult circumstances in our own families or in our own work situations or various areas of life, we can count the many blessings of God and be thankful for His goodness to us in Christ. And so this afternoon we want to talk about our confession 
of faith in the providence of God. We confess that we believe in the providence of our God and Father. Not just our God, but our Father. Uh, and that is, again, a, a distinctively Christian thing. Uh, all human beings can call God their creator, but only Christians can call God their Father. And so that's why we specifically point out here that we confess that we believe in the providence of our God and Father. And so we'll look at two points this afternoon, the Lord willing. First, the truth of what we believe about providence. And secondly, the comfort that we receive from the doctrine of providence. Now, providence, as you know, uh, beloved, is not some uh, doctrine or some idea made up by ministers or theological professors. It's at the heart of the scriptures. God is a God who creates and he is a God who sustains and upholds those things which he has made. And that's something we see so beautifully here in Psalm 104, do we not? He, he cares for everything from the grass of the field to the fish of the, of the ocean. Even Leviathan who plays there in the waters, we're told. Uh, God has a, a, a keen interest in man. That man has all that he needs from the rising of the sun to its going down, that he may work, that he may eat, that he may rest. God's care for his creation, his providential activity is clear, it's powerful, it's mighty. Uh, and for us, again, it's of tremendous comfort. Notice again what our, our Lord's Day says here, question and answer 27. Uh, when it comes to what what the doctrine of providence is. It says, providence is his almighty, that is God's almighty and ever-present power, whereby as with his hand he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures. What a powerful testimony. God exerts his power and he sustains and upholds all things. Isaiah 40 verse 26 says, lift your eyes on high and see who has created these things who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and strength, his, not one of them is missing. God, by his power, upholds heaven and earth and all creatures. He sustains them. He keeps them in existence. The stars stay where they do in the heavens because of the mighty power of God. The earth stays in its orbit and in its rotation around the sun and in our solar system by the mighty power of God. All things happen and unfold in our lives by the mighty power of God. He is upholding all things. And our confession brings that uh, so powerfully to bear upon us and the, the imagery by the use of a hand. By the use of a hand. And in the scriptures, the hand is a symbol, especially the right hand is a symbol of power. It's a symbol, symbolic of might as well as the arm. Uh, to sit at a king's right hand means to sit in a position of, of power and favor and influence. All we need to do is think of the story of Esther and Haman who was, if you will, at the right hand of King Xerxes. He was the one who had his signet ring. He had the power and authority of the king. Thus to sit at the right hand is the seat of favor uh, and power. Job 12 verse 10 says that the life of everything is in the hand of the Lord. Thus, if we don't have life or continue, we don't have life or continue with life unless God exerts his power uh, over the creation and over 
our lives. And thus, the catechism presses upon us the, the, the power of God by saying it's almighty power. It's almighty power. It's not contingent on how well the universe is going. It's not contingent upon man. It's almighty power. It's something that is in God himself. And furthermore, it's an ever-present power. God is continually exerting his power in the creation and towards us. He always extends uh, his power towards uh, his creatures. If there was ever a moment where God ceased to do that, all that we know that exists would cease. God cannot stop upholding and have us to expect that everything will continue as it is. Paul says of the Son in Colossians 1 verse 17 that in Him all things consist. And this is true not only of the Son but of the Father and the Spirit because they are all one true and living God. And therefore all things consist or exist because of God. And thus when we speak of providence we speak of the, the power of God in upholding all things. But also, as our Lord's Day is quick to point out, this power is seen in God's governance, God's ruling of all things. And what this refers to is the fact that God is the chief operator, the director behind the scenes, if you will, of all things that come to pass in time and in history and in the lives of His people. Nothing happens apart from His holy Will. We, we know in the world man would like to think things happen by chance, right? Our explanation of the creation uh, according to the fallen mind of man is one great cosmic accident. And all things just happen to work together to create what we see today. Uh, but the doctrine of providence speaks completely against that. God is the one who works generally in his creation and he is the one who works specifically especially in nations, leaders, and in the lives of men. For example, the thoughts and devices of men are under the control of God. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, A man's heart plans its way, but the Lord directs his steps. Acts 17 reminds us that God appoints the times and places the nations, the boundaries from the which people live, not only from the time of the Tower of Babel, but up to the time of today. Uh, Daniel, filled with many uh, uh, truths concerning the sovereignty of God, Daniel 2 and Daniel chapter 4 reminds us that God is the one who determines the rise and fall of nations and kings and leaders. There's nothing in this world that is outside of the providential working of God. In fact, even the evil deeds and wicked ways of men fall under God's providence and sovereign control. To be sure, God is not the author of sin. That is made plain uh, throughout the scriptures, Old and New Testament. And yet the wicked are under his control. Nothing happens in this world apart from the will of God. That for evil or that for good. God is ultimately sovereign. And if we look in the history of the Bible, we can think of Pharaoh, king of Egypt as an example of how God hardened his heart and, and worked in him to fulfill his purposes for the redemption of his people and for his judgment on Egypt. We see this too with the Lord Jesus Christ and the Romans. We see this in the Lord Jesus' words to Pilate when it came to his uh, having power over him. He says, you could have no power against me at all unless it had been given to you from above. 
and as we know the role of the Jewish leaders as well and the Apostle Peter reminding them in Acts chapter 3 that these things that happened to him happened by the divine appointments of God. God is in control and we would also say too that even the devil and his demons are under the sovereign authority of God. They are not able to do anything to the church or in the world apart from God's divine determination. And this confession we make about God's governing in such a, a comprehensive way over all things and in all things is important for us to remember in our day and age, especially as we see the world around us. We see the things that unfold and some people say, oh, everything is chaos, everything is out of control. We as Christians can say, no, God is in control. We may not understand why things unfold the way they do, but God is in control. And that's to our comfort, but also it gives us proper perspective when we have a balanced view of providence. Because not all Christians believe in providence the way we as Reformed Christians do. For if we refer, refer, return to that thought of a moment ago, that God works generally in all things, and specifically in the lives of men, there are some who believe that God's providence only applies to the good things that come to pass. The good things that happen in the world are the good things that happen in your life. Like rain, fruitful years, food and drink, health and riches, to use the, the language of the catechism. All of those things, they would say, fall under God's good providence. But not drought, not lean years, not sickness, not disease, not poverty, not war. Those are the dominion of the devil. They are the fruits of his working in the creation. And thus what he is doing, he is striking at the abundance that God gives to us to try to take us away and to leave us impoverished. This is often the, uh, the teaching you hear of the health and wealth movement. The word of faith who have on one hand what God does is good and you're always fighting against the devil who is doing all the evil uh, in the world. As if there were two ultimately equal powers that were battling it out for control in the universe. To be sure, we would not deny that God may use the devil or wicked men to bring certain things to pass in the world, whether that's poverty, war, affliction, persecution, uh, a country's continued uh, effects of, of, of many things such as economy or uh, the environment. But they're not the ones in whom and through whom these things ultimately come. That's the Lord. That's the Lord. Again, there's not two equal powers of good and evil, the yin and the yang, fighting each other for supremacy. God is sovereign. He is the ultimate power in the world. And he is the one, as the proverb says, who brings calamity as well as the one who brings blessing. And yet some might say, having read Lord's Day 10 and reading what question and answer 27 has to say, and say, well, you know, that comparison... Uh, of the good things and the bad things, I, I really think that puts your Christian God in, in a bad light. I mean, doesn't that diminish his holiness? Doesn't that diminish his glory? Doesn't that take away from him if you say that he's sovereign and providentially works in all of those things? Not to the rational mind, we might say yes. But if we look at the scriptures, we could say no, absolutely not, because God works sovereignly in and through these things 
to fulfill his divine purposes, which are good and perfect and holy. Even though we as Christians may suffer, even though we as Christians may go through difficulties that affect us physically or other ways, God has his good and perfect will that is being worked out for the sake of his creation, for the sake of his church, and also for judgment on the wicked. As the very last line of question and answer 27 says there, and so very profoundly, indeed all things come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. All things, all things, things in the nations, things that go on around us in the world, uh, in the purposes of man to fulfill his plan, God uses that to his ends and for his glory and for his purpose in Christ. And we only need to look at our own world to see that. We think of fruitful years, all of the blessings that we have in this great country of Canada. That's a witness. That's a testimony to the power of God, not to Mother Nature. That's a testimony to the kindness and care of the Creator, according to Acts 14, verse 15. The droughts come upon a nation, the disasters strike in fierce storms, or that disease affects or afflicts a nation, is a witness, a witness of the Almighty God in whom and through whom we find our help. He is the only one who could meet the needs of any people, especially the salvific needs that come through a Savior, namely the Lord Jesus Christ. These things serve as a testimony to the unbelieving world. And at the same time, these things, these events, these workings of God and His sovereign plan are also means of sanctification for the church. A means to remind us of our great need for God's grace each and every day of life. And children, as you get older, you'll realize that how much you depend upon the grace of God for everything in life. Not just little things, not just some things, but everything. God uses these things, even times of a pandemic, to draw us closer to Him, to draw us closer to one another spiritually in the congregation. That as time goes by and we go through various challenges and adversities, all it does is fill us with thankfulness and joy for the goodness of God that He is fulfilling His purpose for us. Now, I don't know about you, beloved, but that thought, that truth is an immense comfort to me in a world where there seems to be so much adversity and so much in the way of trial and sorrow. The things that happen in my life, the things that happen to the church, they're not accidents, they're not a, a, a sequence of meaningless events that happen irrespective of the people. Now, each one, from the smallest to the greatest, comes from the hand of the Lord, from our Heavenly Father. And thus, if God brings something into my life, uh, if He purposes something to be, whether that's in the form of, of strife from the outside, persecution, or maybe even illness, I can be sure that that comes for some purpose. It comes for a reason into my life. And in time, I may understand that in the bigger picture things, or I may not in this life. But ultimately, I know God is going to use that for good. Maybe not to my financial good, or to my 
material good, but maybe to my spiritual good, to the blessing of my family, to the blessing of the congregation of which I'm a member. I have no doubt in that. I have no concern because I know that all things come not by chance, but by God's fatherly hand for a purpose in the life of his people. And may that truth, beloved, of what our confession is teaching us here be something that's to your daily encouragement and spiritual strength as you go forth day by day and sometimes just shake your head wondering, what's happening in the world? Well, let me assure you, beloved, God is in control. The Lamb sits upon the throne. His Spirit is poured out and He is fulfilling His will on the earth as it is being fulfilled in heaven. And the things God brings into our lives, even though we may not understand it, he brings for a specific reason or a specific purpose. And Lord willing, in this life, we will be able to see the good fruit of that in ourselves and in others. Yes, how blessed it is and what a joy it is to know that not only is God created, but that he is providentially at work even now as you sit in church, providentially at work for the good of his creation and especially for his people. Wonderful truth about what we believe concerning the providence of God. And so we want to follow that up by talking about further comfort that comes from this truth. We've already talked about some comfort that comes from this truth. But further comfort, especially as it's reflected in question and answer 28 of Lord's Day 10. When I first came into the Reformed Church many years ago, because I'm not from a Reformed background, uh, Lord's Day 10 and Lord's Day 1, Lord's Day 7, they were some of my favorite uh, Lord's Days, and I was studying in catechism with my, my pastor when I was in college, and I found such great comfort, security, and peace in the doctrine of providence. Lord's Day 1 breathes comfort beyond, beyond words as we reflect upon our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. But this doctrine of providence breathes comfort too. It exudes comfort. It's one of those doctrines that doesn't cease to fail no matter how many times you've heard a sermon on it or how many times the pastor or elder has taught it in catechism. Such a precious thing to know that the Lord is in control. The Lord is sovereign. The Lord reigns and rules, and therefore, I don't have anything to fear. I know that in my head, and I know that in my heart. It doesn't always reflect in the way I live, but it's there. I have this comfort. I have this peace. I, I have this understanding, and that's something that you grow to understand better, especially when you see the situations of other people. You know, in my time in the ministry, I've seen some families that seem to have nothing but, but pain and sorrow and misery. Some families seem to be drawn to it. They always have uh, things that happen, uh, heartaches, losing of loved ones or uh, other difficulties. Some seem to have more burdens than others. You see people who struggle financially. You see people who want to be good stewards of their money but they just can't pay their bills. You see Christians who suffer persecution, they're a faithful worker. They work hard at what they do, but it seems that without end, they're constantly under the, the scrutiny of somebody else, and it drags them down, and, and it makes them feel as if they're failing the Lord. 
For some people, it seems their situations never change, and, and it can be such a cause of frustration and uncertainty in their lives. And we know how that is, don't we? We've been there. We know trials, we know adversity, we know strife, and sometimes we pray and we pray, and there doesn't seem to be any relief, and we wonder why. Why, Lord? Why do things unfold the way they do in my life? And then sometimes we begin to question ourselves. Well, maybe, it's, maybe it's something I've done. Maybe I, I'm not serious enough in my faith. Maybe this is happening because I'm not consistent enough in my Christian walk. Oh, maybe I've done something because I'm a terrible sinner. We start to question and we wonder why, and then sometimes it even creeps into our minds. Well, maybe God has stopped loving me. Maybe God has removed his favor from me. Maybe he's removed his grace, and that's why I'm going through what I'm going through. To be sure, there are times we go through such things in life as a consequence of our sin and rebellion, and God uses various means to discipline us and to humble us and bring us to repentance and restoration. That's true. And yet, no matter what we may endure, whether it is God's discipline for sin or simply because we live in a fallen world where we deal with the trials that come upon not only us as Christians, but on all humanity. Regardless, beloved, we can be assured that no matter what we may suffer, God has not stopped loving his people. Because as Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8, there is nothing that shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And those ongoing trials you endure, those various adversities and struggles, are not the product of a lack of love for you. They're not the result of the fact that God has no more concern for your life. Rather, in fact, it means that God is there working in your life in various ways because he does love you. And because he loves others and he's fulfilling his plan for you and them even though the way might be difficult and trying at first. And when we think about the Lord's own working in our lives, we can see that too. Maybe you've gone through illness. You've suffered through a disease or sickness. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe something else that has just brought you low or, or been a very painful time for your family, and yet when you look back on it, you can see how the Lord drew, drew you closer to Him. You can see how He worked in various family members, maybe some wayward children, to draw them closer to Him. And you see now in your life that you depend less upon yourself, and you depend more on the Lord. You couldn't understand at the time how God could mean it for good, but look how He's turned it for you now. It cultivates a deeper trust in the Lord. It cultivates a, a greater appreciation for His love, whether that's in health issues or financial issues or school issues or persecution that comes from the world. Maybe God is using certain people to persecute you because He wants your light to shine all the more for Christ in their lives. That they might see the depth of the love of Christ in you as a person of infinite patience and prayer and love, even though... They just don't like you because you're a Christian. It's hard to say what the bigger picture is for your life and for those around you because of the things you suffer and go through. But when we reflect on it at times, we can see how God has worked. And that gives us confidence, does it not, for the future too. 
So be assured, beloved, that the things you endure in life, the things you suffer from, it's not because God has stopped loving you. If anything, what God's providence teaches us is that we can have an ever-growing assurance of God's love for us in Christ Jesus. And, and to the extent that we can use the words of question and answer 28 as our own. And that's the beauty of the catechism. It puts these questions in such a way that you reflect upon it. And when you answer it, you answer, yes, this is the answer of my heart. Might have been written in 1563, but it's the answer of my heart, too. What does, the benefit, what does it benefit us to know that God has created all things and still upholds them by his providence? We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and with a view to the future, we can have a firm confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature shall separate us from his love. And beloved, the better we come to understand this glorious doctrine and the importance it plays in our lives, the better we'll be able to practice these very things that we utter from our lips of being patient and adversity. Don't you pray more for patience in the times of adversity? I think I do because I realize my own weakness, my own frailty. Being thankful in prosperity. Not having so much that I forget the Lord and not having so little that I curse the Lord. I'm thankful in prosperity and I have a firm confidence with regards to the future. Firm confidence, not a eh, a firm confidence. And beloved, if you want proof that nothing can separate you from the love of God, look at that last part of question answer 28 again. It says, For all creatures are so completely in his hand, think of that imagery of the hand again, that without his will they cannot so much as move. That's power. That's power. There's nothing of man, there's nothing of the devil, there's nothing of any created thing so powerful that they are not under the control of God. They cannot so much as move against you. They cannot harm you, they cannot attack you apart from the will of God. And if they can't do that simple thing, how can they ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Can they undo the cross? Can they undo the resurrection? Can they undo the ascension? Can they undo the session at the right hand of the Father that Christ sits now as he rules during this millennial time of his reign from heaven? No. No. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that precious reality, beloved, contrast to the fleeting nature of this fallen world is such a tremendous comfort to you as you go through the trials and afflictions of this life because you know that not one of those situations is greater than your God. You know that not one enemy is greater than Christ. You know that not one challenge is greater than the Holy Spirit. None of that will affect your standing with the Almighty. And so, beloved, as you go through life's trials and as you go through many tribulations, as our Lord said we would, set your mind on this glorious doctrine of providence. Set your mind upon the fact that nothing you're going through is by chance or by the product of fate, the fickle finger of fate. Rather, always remember that your Father, for His divine purposes, 
has sent these various things into your life, your family's life, and the life of the church. And he is working out his sovereign plan in all of its intricacies and wonder. And thus, even though you may have some bumps in the road and challenges that come to your faith, God does not want you to see them as a sign that he has ceased to love you, but that he loves you with an infinite love in Christ Jesus and that he is perfecting his bride for that glorious time when Christ comes again for his people. Yes, congregation, let us find our comfort for both today, for tomorrow, and for the future in this glorious doctrine of providence. For our faithful God and Father has not only created all things, but he sustains all things. And he works in all things for you. Every hair of your head is known by the Lord. Every molecule of your body is known by the Lord. And if he knows you so well in your body, he knows you infinitely well in your soul through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are his and shall be his forever. May such be our confession, not only at Thanksgiving, and not only in the holiday seasons, but each and every day of the Christian life. For our God is good. He is a God of providence, and he is our God and Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever. Amen and amen.